All righty. We're going to play a game, guys. Okay? So, first and foremost, get a pen, get a paper, pull out your notes app on your phone, whatever it might be. Okay? Got it? Great. All right. What keywords does your website currently rank for? Take a couple seconds. Right? One, two, three, four. I give you a few, not just a couple. What doesn't it rank for that you think it should rank for? Okay, one, two, three, four. Now, what are a few keyword opportunities that you could be winning on if you just simply tweaked some of your existing website copy? Got it? Okay, how'd you do? Ooh, not so hot. Not sure what you can, what you're currently ranking for, or not sure what you could be ranking for. Well, that's okay because our friends at DD Agency want to help you answer all of these questions. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copy should be tweaked on website pages, and so much more. If this sounds like something that you could benefit from, give the guys at DD Agency a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. So head on over to enrollify.org forward slash DDA SEO. That's DDA as in DD Agency SEO, or simply follow the link in the show notes below. That will guarantee you get a 10% discount off of your audit. All right, head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO or simply Google DD Agency, find DD Agency's website, and be sure to mention that you heard about them through Enrollify when you request your audit. All right, folks, back to the show. All right, Dan, we are live, my friend. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Good, man. I, I'm excited for this chat. Um, I know that you are, you said you just like burned your eye with some like bad contact solution <laughs> or something. So I, I appreciate you still like coming on and making this happen. Dude, it's like a once in, like a once in 10 years thing. You know, if you, if you use contacts, you know, there's that contact solution you cannot put in your eye. So, but everybody knows eventually you're not going to be paying attention. You, you think you're rinsing it and then bam, you stick it in and it's just like your eye just gets stuck around that contact. And it's oh. like, I mean, you want to scream out expletives, but you, you conceal yourself. <laughs> you're like, no, but uh, oh well, dude, that just tough. happened, that's but we're tough. still here. Yeah. We're still good. We're still good. And we're going to roll right through and it's going to be great. Um, I, I actually wore my uh, element 451 shirt for you. See, uh, I, folks who are listening nice. on audio can't see it, but, um, and it was actually totally a coincidence. I, I, I just haven't done like laundry in too long, and I, you know, walked into my or opened my drawer and was like, "Oh, Element, cool! I haven't worn this shirt in a while." It's actually a really comfortable shirt, so I put it on, and then I remembered I was doing this interview with you. So, uh, quite, quite serendipitous, um, as, as, as you know, some might say. They make good shirts. The funny thing is, I don't wear crew neck shirts. I, I can't stand them. I only wear V-necks oh, yeah, V-neck because guy, I don't like you? the feeling of it around my neck. I don't know what it is, hmm. but that's too part of the reason why I wear V-necks. Yeah, too constricting, <laughs> too constricting. Well, dude, I am honestly super excited for this chat. And um, for those who are, are just tuning in here, um, I'm talking to Dan Sanchez today. 
Dan's been around on LinkedIn for a while. I think I just saw a post, Dan, that you started taking LinkedIn pretty seriously about four years ago. From from my perspective, let me just say, let me just tell folks what I know about you, and you can kind of like fill in the gaps as you see fit here. So when I think about Dan Sanchez, I think about somebody who has been what I would call like a LinkedIn creator for a while. Like you hopped on board the LinkedIn train, maybe earlier than some, understood the value of the platform, began creating content specifically for the platform as opposed to just using LinkedIn as a place to share content, right? And and share links from outside. I feel like you've kind of nailed and figured out sort of how LinkedIn works, how it ranks content, etc. And did that a lot earlier than some other folks. And then beyond that, you're a podcaster. So I think you were at a podcast production uh, agency for a while called Sweetfish. Is that correct? Sweetfish? That's right. All right, cool. Um, and have understood, you know, been, been in sort of in, in the audio game for a little bit. You've had your own podcast. You've helped produce other podcasts. You know a lot about podcasts. And then most recently, you have joined the Element 451 team as their director of inbound marketing. And then at some point along the way, you also worked at a college um, and, and doing, I believe you headed up marketing there. Is, is that correct as well? That's right. All right, cool. So you've dabbled in a lot. Um, and but But I think the common thread, Dan, from my perspective anyways, has been like this obsession with content, right? And the, and a, a really great understanding of how content can be used uh, as an incredibly influential tool, right? And an incredibly influential medium, regardless of the format that you might be playing with. So I thought it would be fun to just have sort of a very casual, spontaneous sort of brainstorm around what the future of content marketing might look like generally, and then specifically what it might look like within within the context of higher ed. But before we kind of dive into that, anything else you'd add or want to share about who you are and, and what you've done just to kind of set the stage here? It's funny, like, I've always had a fascination with content, but I didn't, I wasn't always good at it. Hmm. Like, I cut my teeth on paid media to landing page to nurture sequence. Hmm. And that was my thing for years that's where I caught my first success as a marketing director or just as a marketer. I was running ads for a summer camp huh. and I, it was my first time using AdWords and having a, a landing page, you know, a page where they can't do anything else but fill out the form. Yeah. And uh, it did remarkably well. Huh. And so I just kept using that. And of course, like I was using even MailChimp. This was like 12 years ago. I was using MailChimp to do an auto sequence of emails that would follow up with them. But back then, hardly anybody was doing that. So it worked really well. And I did that all the way up into higher ed. And that's where I tripled the enrollment of that small college I was working for. Easy when it's a small college to triple, you know, if it's a medium sized, a big college, you know, triple. Still impressive. Still impressive. Harder. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a really important metric. But so so okay, so you said this was about twelve years ago. So set the stage for us a little bit here because I, one of the things that I think is really interesting is during that I, like when I when I think about content 10, 12 years ago, specifically in the context of content marketing, I think this was like the era where people would reply to like an auto email thinking it actually was from Dan, right? And thinking it really was like written just yep. for them. This was before people knew that marketing automation like existed. Is, is, is Was this sort of the era that, that you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. It was also the day when like Facebook actually, what Facebook pages were actually a thing and they worked <laughs> and you had like 100% engagement of your audience. Yeah. Ah, oh, the glory days. Those man. days. <laughs> yeah, when 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 yeah, organic your organic content would actually reach you yeah. know a sizable audience. I'll never forget. I ran a campaign for a a small Catholic liberal arts institution in in the Northern Virginia area, and this was this must have been in 2015. 
and I, I I will never forget we we boosted this post. Okay, it was a it was an offer actually to subscribe to a newsletter. So we were like, hey, like newsletters are going to be this thing. They're going to be this nice way. And it was a, a, a for a selection of grad programs. It was like it was going to be it's going to be this thing. You're going to engage people. There'll be a soft tie-in to some of your programs right at the end of the newsletter. But it's going to be new. It's going to be super trendy. It's going to be really cool. We spent, I kid you not a hundred dollars to boost okay to boost this post that was an offer to subscribe to the newsletter and we got 500 people that subscribed to the newsletter from that boosted post in 25 oh like and, and that that had nothing honestly no sophistication on our part it was it was yep. literally just where facebook was at at that particular job oh yeah i remember oh that's when we start we hit facebook ads hard in 25 it was was it 2014 i think it was 2014 in the summer of 2014 when facebook ads landed in the feed and we uh, were one of the first colleges to be like, bam, we hit it hard. And then because of everything I knew about landing page design and split testing and auto sequences, we tripled the college off the back of really cheap Facebook ads. I mean, you're talking like $3 leads yeah, for a college, geez, geez, three yeah. bucks. Yeah. And it got, went to five bucks and eventually went to 10 and then 15 and then 20. And then I knew we had a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how I started figuring out content marketing because paid media was starting to not work as well as it used to. Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful transition, actually. So on that note, I, I think one of the things that you will learn quickly if you haven't already learned during your time at Element is I feel like, you know, schools in general, they are either stuck on this bandwagon of spending, 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 spending on paid search so much so that like they, they, they're so scared to turn off that faucet, even though they know that a lot of the leads coming in from these paid ads, like don't end up sort of matriculating in any sort of meaningful way, right? I I think the challenge for so many schools is the idea of content marketing and it just sounds like so, so much work. And so they'd rather keep this paid funnel running and they'd rather, they're caught, they don't even care how much their cost per click might increase because the idea of switching totally to, to another method just seems like way more time, way more labor, and they've got no additional team member to take on that work. So it's better to spend poorly, if you will, knowing that you're yielding like a pretty piss poor result, quite frankly, than it is to do the work of trying to figure out how to do something else. So I feel like, again, that doesn't apply to everyone, but I do feel like generally speaking, a lot of folks can identify with, with you know, hashing through these thoughts. So I, I, I want to ask you a question about how you see sort of like the current state of of content marketing like when you think about where we're at in in the history of this more organic approach to marketing communications where are we at like where do you see opportunity what's what is dan interested in well we're definitely past the beginning phases where you could post whatever you wanted and it would still get likes and comments i remember like running a campaign for like teeth whiteners and it would do well as content. You're like, dude, like who the heck, who cares? Like, it just doesn't matter. Um, but now there's so much good content online that you have to stand out. And this is like, like people say this all the time, but how do you do it? How do you stand out? One of my best friends asked me the other day, he's like, what's your favorite Instagram account for colleges? He works as the admissions director for a small private university. He's trying to get more students. He's like, dude, well, so what's the best Instagram account? I need some inspiration. And I said, Kenny, I don't know. 
I can't think of any of them. He's like, they're all boring. All the best schools that I can think of have boring Instagram accounts. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay because they're not boring to the students. So you have to rethink about how that Instagram, well, who the, who's that Instagram account for? Is it to get new students or is it to create more, I don't know, engagement with current students? And I would argue that most Instagram pages probably should be run to increase engagement with current students. It's almost like the campus version of like the newspaper, you know, when can't like when, if I don't know, do, do campuses still have like student run newspapers? Instagram is now that faces, places, and people like, and just activities happening on campus. That's what an Instagram is now. But if you want to use Instagram to now attract new students, and I think this is about every channel. I think most channels are for current students, but if you want to use social channels to attract new students, you need to take a step away from your, from your institution and think about like, okay, what segment are we going after and what are they interested in? And then you have to create content around that, but that's scary. Um, if you have a huge graphic design program, you know, that's kind of your bread and butter program. Well, you need to make a design channel, a design blog, a design Instagram, um, and still do all your student stuff with your, your institution channels, but create a whole different thing about breaking through and design, you know, something that, you know, maybe a, a high school designer would be interested in subscribing to, like maybe covering stories of how someone made it, how someone broke in, um, but try to bridge the gap that way and actually coming up with a unique premise for each channel. It's harder, but that's kind of what you have to do now because you can't try to you can't try to attract everybody with one channel anymore. You end up posting too too even if it's good content, it becomes too much of a variety of content and becomes what I call meatball Sunday. In fact, I think Seth Godin said that first. I think he wrote a book on that. I haven't read Meat, it, but Meatball Sunday. What is Meatball what? Sunday? Because you know, meatballs and spaghetti are great. Uh, ice cream is also great, but you can't mix the two. Even with Element, our own company, we have a blog where we're trying to post for people who don't know anything about Element 451, right? And we're trying to talk about the product that they don't know, that people that the people would be attracted by the first content aren't interested in the second content yet. And then we have company announcements on there. I'm like, it's a meatball Sunday of content. There's no reason to want to subscribe to the blog. It's inconsistent. It doesn't deliver consistently with the kind of content you would want. So right now I'm working on a motion in the company to split it up, you know, one focused on product and one focused on all the things our buyers want. Schools need to do the same thing if they want to use social to attract prospective students. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcast.enrollify.org. And I feel like a, a lot of a lot of them do have you know admissions specific accounts, right? Where they call it like you know uh, Dan Sanchez University Admissions or something like that, right? And and I think what you're hitting at is is that next level of like, hey, if you're going to have an account like that, you know, why not position it something like you know future 
you know, uh, Dan Sanchez University students or something like that, where it's there's some sort of indication right off the bat that it's not just admissions content. Because the problem with a lot of these admissions accounts is like, first of all, they barely post and they've got like 200 followers. And when they do post, right, it's always like a weird like Canva designed like graphic that says like, reminder, applications due like next week or whatever it is, right? Or like, come to the open house uh, and, and, you know, and that's it. And it's just... There aren't enough time. There isn't enough time or resources uh, clearly being poured into making these accounts truly unique, right? And then the institutional pages for many folks are are like untouchable, right? Like if you are if you are working in admissions or you're working um, in, in student affairs and you want to post on like the institution's account, right? The, the amount of ho- hoops that you have to like right. You right. Know, jump through to get there are just it, it's not even worth it, right? So like if you do have your own account. I think specifically thinking differently about, hey, how do you position this? This is just for future students, but how do you make this so much more than just like an admissions account, right? Which I, it, it, this isn't a billboard, right? In other words, right? Like a lot of them treat it like an like a like an admissions billboard, and it could actually be uh, this remarkable tool for for engagement. But I wanna I wanna kind of dig deeper into what what I think you're getting at with creating content that's specific for the platform because I feel like from my perspective, right, there's been these like evolutions, uh, maybe even just like waves, maybe maybe it hasn't been a true evolution. But like, social was seen as as pure distribution, right? Like that was you'd write a blog, it'd be hosted on your your website. And then you'd share it up the wazoo across Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, a lot of these like, you know, CRMs, marketing automation tools, right? You'd click a button, right? And then your post would be automatically distributed across these platforms. And not doing that was like, like a lot of people weren't even doing that. A lot of people were creating content. They were writing that content. They were publishing it on their blog and that was it, right? They weren't they weren't promoting it on social. Uh, and then it was like, okay, one-click promotion, one-click distribution, right? And that was a yep. thing. And everyone yep. did that. And like at, at the time anyways, it didn't seem like social uh, social sites cared too much. Like it was just... It was right. just engagement, right? Like, and you know, it was another. It was another way to deliver value to their respective audiences and and respective users. Now we're living through this moment where, like, I mean, across the board, folks are penalizing these social networks are penalizing any sort of outside link. So much so that, like, I'm sure you've noticed this as an avid LinkedIn oh, yeah. user. When you click a link that's posted on LinkedIn, LinkedIn pops up a page that says, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want to leave LinkedIn? This is an outside link. Like, talk about adding friction to getting people to getting the user to what they want to consume. These platforms are are intervening, right? They they want to keep you on the platform, and therefore, more so than ever before, you have to create content that is platform specific. So, first and foremost, I guess, would you agree with sort of that rough kind of history? Would you add anything to that? And then, what do you think the the solution is? Like how can you realistically create content for every platform and 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 do it well as a as an admissions and marketing team like what are what are your musings on this you're absolutely right it is possible but you don't you don't get there all in one day you yeah. can't get there all in one month you probably can't get there all in one year so what i usually recommend is like stop like if you're if your goal is to build an audience somewhere you're not going to do that on every channel all at once. You need to pick two. Yeah. Preferably a long form channel like blog, podcast, YouTube. Pick one of those, yeah. something where you have some like longer content, and then one short form channel, something like TikTok, Twitter, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Um, those are kind of my go tos for short form. Um, there's others for short form and long form, but pick two. 
and do them remarkably well Mm. until you have traction, you have a system and you know that you're getting audience and it's growing. You have, you're experimenting. You finally get what I call uh, media market fit, kind of like startups get with a product market fit, right? They're trying to test. They're like, wait, what, how can we tweak the product and find different markets until we know there's a connect and there's something that they really want? Yeah. That's what all content creators have to do. All TikTokers have to go through the the moment of just posting random stuff, random stuff, and then they get a hit. They're like, ooh, people liked that one. And so they double down on that one, and maybe they're still experimenting. They got another hit. Um, if you go to any content creator's channel early on, they're all like that. Yeah. <laughs> they're all like random. They're not that good. And then you start to see that they start to hone it in. They get better. Um we kind of have to go through the same process. We have to post and post and experiment. It's hard for institutions to do because they're so risk averse. Yeah. So I almost, that's why I think it's even better getting away from the institution channels, create a whole new channel with its own hypothesis and say, we're just going to take a run at posting on this every day for six months. Yeah. And because, and just be okay with the risk because no one's watching it anyway. <laughs> that's kind of the funny thing is like, you're afraid to post risky stuff to a new channel. But it's like no one cares. No one's yeah. paying attention anyway because like it's hard to get attention. Yeah. So okay if you mess up because no one's going to see it anyway, like two people. Yeah, yeah. So you have to experiment your way there with just two channels and use the smaller one to promote the longer one. And it's the longer one where you really start to build relationship. For yeah. me, it's always been LinkedIn podcasting has kind of been my one-two punch. I, I love that. That's a super helpful. And one of the things I feel like no one's done a really great job with in, in higher ed is figuring out like how creator marketing fits well into, into the higher ed ecosystem. Specifically, you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast and another podcast on, on our network, the importance of leveraging students, right? Leveraging the student voice, leveraging student as creators, yada, yada, yada. People are probably tired about hearing that. But the reality is like like there aren't a lot of great examples to your point about not a lot of great Instagram accounts. There's also just like not great examples of schools leveraging students as creators in in meaningful ways, right? We've got you posted about this the other day. Like people have heard about this a lot. Like I think it's like 30%, right? Like a, a shocking number of young people today want to be YouTubers. Like that's like, that is their career oh, yeah. aspiration, right? Like, and I'd say even more of them want to be creators, right? And, yep. and yep. maybe that's TikTokers, maybe that's Instagram influencers, whatever it might be. The idea of creating content and being able to essentially like share your art with the world and get paid for your perspective. Like who who doesn't want something like that, right? Um, I guess there's a lot of people that, doesn't, that don't want something like that, but, uh, but more and more people do want something like this, right? Yeah, it's huge and higher ed has like this massive 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 audience of current students right that could be leveraged in really incredible ways to help promote their their program offerings right their their brand experience their brand promises and yet like there's not great examples of of this happening so like i guess when you think about why this is right or even even if it's outside of the industry and you're just talking about your own your own experience before um before higher ed like why do you think there's this is so difficult to crack and what do you think like some of the solutions are here there is a huge opportunity for universities to get into what's called influencer marketing right um i kind of took advantage of it when I was a marketing director for the university. There was one student, we had a couple hundred students on campus and there was one student who was already like what you call micro influencer. She probably had 20,000 followers on TikTok and not like 
not like a passive audience. Like they were super engaged. Like mm-hmm. the amount of retweets and likes she was getting on every tweet was outstanding. And she was just really good at social. She was also a pretty good photographer. So she worked Instagram hard and she took our social media to a whole new level. But again, because we weren't tweaking it to position it to be interesting to new students, it only was really engaging for current students, which worked yeah. really well. Yeah. If I was smarter, this is what I would have done now. I literally would have just paid her yeah. to come up with content for her Twitter about BGU. Yeah. Yeah. And then next level, taken her tweet and put money behind it. Yeah. Because guess what? She understands Twitter better than anybody on campus by a hundred times. Yeah. So she knows how to craft it just right to get engagement. Why not put money behind it and get it to more people beyond her following? Right. Yeah. I would be doing, if I were a college, this is probably be my top initiative right now. If I were back in higher ed is I'd be finding all the micro influencers on campus and pay them. Yeah. And some of them, depending on how big of a following they have, like they might may, if the, most people aren't getting brand deals, if they're micro influencers at best, people are just sending them free product Yep. for them to get a hundred dollars to create creative. Yeah. They're just like, oh, oh my gosh, especially when they're 18, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe some of them ha- have a little bit more savvy and they're like, no, it'll be 300. Fine. Give them 300. It's still worth it. Yeah. Especially if it's like video, because you know how hard, you know how expensive it is to get good creative for video. If you were yeah. to go hire a freelancer, it's going to at least cost that. Yeah. But this influencer knows how to create content that's like 10, 100 times better than what a freelance videographer can make. And you know it's going to hit because they know how to speak tweak it in such a way that it gets engagement. That's yeah. why they have a following. They yeah. know what hits. So have them make it post to their channel. That's bonus. Take the creative, make sure to get permission from them when you buy this. Like we have permission to use your video to run as paid media and then run it as paid media because that's going to work better than any of the creative you're putting out there for paid social right now, especially yeah. if you're running it on the same platform that they're like really good at. Yeah. So if they're a TikToker, run TikTok ads with that person and do this a bunch of times with a bunch of creators. If I had multiple programs or like schools within my university, I would try to find clusters of creators that speak to that degree or major channel or local, whatever the program of school design school of yeah. architecture, yeah. whatever it is, like find people posting about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to not only give you the organic reach through their own channels, but you're going to take the paid creative and it's going to perform way better than any of this stuff your creative team can put together. We've talked about this idea of, of paying students, leveraging them as creators a few times on, on, on the show before. And I think, I think what, where the friction lies, to be honest, because there's people listening to this that are like, yes, I, I totally believe you. I, I think that this will work. But I think where folks get stuck, Dan, is like they think about, well, Hey, I might have a, I might have several students on campus that have even hundreds of thousands of followers on these respective platforms, yeah. but like they're con, I mean they're 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 talking about you know uh, beauty products or they're talking you know their, their channel is all about like stunts that they do or like whatever it might be right, and I think the friction lies in how do I leverage this creator in a way, if I just ask them, hey, can you create some content for our open house or whatever? It's going to be, it's outside of their wheelhouse. Like it's not, it's it's gonna be cringy at best if they do it, right? And and they might, yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these young folks, they're savvy. Like they don't wanna put content out to their audience, right? That doesn't align with who they are and what they believe, right? So I think the biggest points of friction lie in like, what the hell are you asking them to create? And like, how how is how can you justify 
right, to the powers that be at your institution that inevitably will come like knocking if they see an ad that's, you know, promoting a, 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 one of your students' TikToks. And, and, and if for whatever reason, it, it isn't totally clear why we're putting money behind that, you know, there, there will be there will be hell to pay for, for somebody, right? So I think the friction lies in what are you asking them to create? How are you asking them to create that? And how are you ensuring that there's like some meaningful benefit or, or like ROI that can be justified to leadership later? It's pretty hard if there's a big disconnect between the content that they post and anything your university does, like the makeup one. It's kind of like, well, yeah, like at best, you could just have them talk about their experience because it's still going to be irrelevant, like why they chose the university and kind of give a little testimonial about it yeah. and post it to their channel. It's probably not something you'll run as paid paid media afterwards. Will it work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll still freaking work because there's a lot of people looking at that makeup artist over and over again and being influenced by it. Yeah, you know, so it's still going to work. So, but you probably don't put, put paid media behind it because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense as much. Yeah. Um, but if I and that becomes that becomes part of the game that becomes the skill in doing influencer marketing is trying to curate the people that you have access to and trying to figure out what messages work best with each one. And that becomes the collaboration, right? Yeah. That's the term creators use for working with brands. How can we collaborate? Because it's clearly not you give us a message and then we read the script Yeah, and you don't want to do that. You do not want to script their message. You need to let them tell it in the way that they think will work best. It's going to work 10 times better that way. Yeah, And that's why it's a collaboration. You need to give them like huge boundaries to play with. As long as it's essentially, as long as it's positive about the university, that's probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking. Let them tell it their way. Yeah, I'm thinking too. Like just uh, even a little bit more like tangibly. Like um, you, you've seen these videos on TikTok, I'm sure. Um, I think they're all over like Reels now too, where people will go up in like a random city and they'll be like. Hey Dan, what do you do and how much do you make, right? And it's like, oh hey, I am in I work at a tech company, an ed tech company and I make, you know, x dollars a year or whatever it might be. And then they're basically just trying to help people understand if you work in this particular space and you live right in this particular place, this is like maybe a benchmark, right? Um, and people love this content because, you know, people love finding out what other people, you know, make and 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 whatnot. It's it's just like yep. it's 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 candy, right? Um and so I'm wondering like Let's say there's an approach like that, right? Um, and there, there are more and more, I would say, sort of just like business, like young entrepreneurship sort of, or maybe this is just what the algorithm feeds me because I like this stuff. But I'm seeing more and more like young people being, you know, with business ideas or young people like saying, hey, like this is how I'm as a, you know, 18 year old trying to save money. This is how I'm investing, just like financial tips, if you will, right, for like the average 18 year old. And I wonder if that maybe there could be a play if somebody like that, if somebody like that existed at your college or university, you know, what would it look like to have them go and get like, you know, 10 tips from 10 different business faculty, right around like, all right, you know, Dan, you're, uh, pr you know, Professor Sanchez, um, you've got $100 to invest today, you need that to turn into $10,000 in 10 years, what do you do or something like that, right? Yeah. Like where it, it aligns with again, the creator's channel, it's it's aligned with the things that they like talking about, but it's also an opportunity to show off your faculty, right? And it's also yep, an opportunity yep. to show off um, the, you know, the variance in, in opinion from from your faculty. So something something like that might be a, a good tangible example of what someone could go and do. Especially if you had a creator where you did a one off and it worked well, you could put them on a monthly retainer, and then be like, okay, we're going to do one a week, one a month, whatever it is, yeah. we're, we're just going to pay you whatever the agreed upon amount is. Yeah. And that's, that's a continuing thing now because it's continuing to work. 
you asked earlier, like, how do you justify doing this? How do you actually make sense of it? Yeah. Um, and my favorite way is just to ask them on the app, ask people on the application. And I've used to, I used to do this differently. I used to give people a drop down of where they heard about us from. Yeah. Now I put an open field. Mm. Yeah. Because people will tell you. Yeah. And it's not like when you buy a Snickers bar, like a small item that you're not quite sure what influenced you to pick up a Snickers bar. It's a big, it's like literally probably like one of the top three biggest choices, most expensive choices you're going to make in your life. Yeah. They know where they were influenced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People think hard about where they go to college and why they go to that college. Yeah. So just ask them. They will tell you. Yeah. And then yeah. you can hold the channels accountable that way. It's probably the easiest way you can get feedback. And you should start to see TikTok show up within a normal normal cycle. So yeah. I'd be experimenting in small ways. Take a fraction of the budget. Maybe like, I don't know, if you have an ad spend of 100K, which for some schools is nothing and some schools is a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, take take 5k take 5% and spread it out across a couple of creators and see if it starts to show up in that field on your application yeah that's how you make sense of it and and one of the things that I th one of the things that I think we just need to kill in in terms of how the industry views paying students like for their content and their audience is like guys this is this is the world today like this is what all brands are doing this is this is how you compete this is where attention is right this is where audiences yep. this is where content is going like stop like, get off your high horse like stop stop being like oh my gosh well what will people think or what will uh, you know will people think we're exploiting these kids like the amount of like conversation i hear about paying students to do stuff is like ridiculous like i i really don't understand how and why there is so much uh hesitation when it comes to paying creatives for their work right it's like well you know we could do like a work study program or we could do these things or we'll pay them we'll pay them like below minimum wage or minimum wage it's like hey if someone creates a tiktok right that reaches three hundred thousand people and if of those three hundred thousand people if it generates if you can justify generating three new students that's that's a lot of money right there and you're saying yeah. that like i deserve as the creator nothing for that other than seven bucks an hour or whatever it might be like I, I think we just need to sort of like squash this whole idea that if you have a student that is interested and by the way like this is helping the student beyond just forget even the money like this is this is helping them you know have a real job like they they can then leverage this if they want to go work in content marketing elsewhere if they want to go right you know work for for uh you know a, a marketing consultancy later right they can put this on their resume um and i, I think that it's just an antiquated idea that we can't leverage students who want to be leveraged by the way in meaningful ways and pay them to do so yeah i actually think it's flipped right now and they're still belittled for this for wanting to be TikTok famous i'm like you don't understand like the skill sets they are building yeah are going to make them your they're going to be your boss in 10 yeah. years 100 like this skill set is like think of like how we all used to look down on geeks back in the 80s and then they became everybody's bosses when code <laughs> became that important it's literally like that right now with creators and oh. there's a massive difference between even creative and creator yeah. a creative is like a graphic designer or videographer remember that freelance videographer i mentioned earlier yeah. they yeah. can make good video but they don't necessarily guarantee that it's going to hit <laughs> a creator has not only the creative ability and that's what you're really hiring for is the is the i guess the discernment about what content's going to be grab people's attention yeah and yeah. that discernment is invaluable 
Yeah. And right now it's underpriced still, even as much as B to, uh, the B2C companies like Coca-Cola and stuff have stepped in and started paying them more and more and more. So the creators get paid more. It's still undervalued. Yeah. yeah. 10 to 20 years from now, I'll be like, dang, do you remember back when we only, we only used to pay creators like 200 bucks for a mention? Remember those <laughs> days? Shoot. I said it today, right? Like, remember when I was paying $3 for a Facebook ad lead? Yeah. And now it's 30? Yeah. That's today, except paying influencers. So oh, you can either it. jump on it now like I did with Facebook ads and ride the wave in to grow your university, or you could just pinch yourself for like missing that wave in like 10 years. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know what's so funny? This is this is reminding me of a conversation I had with a um, you know, well-known institution in in the space. And I was talking to it was their their business um faculty, their dean rather, and their dean was super great, super great dean, very progressive, like super innovative. And I was throwing out sort of like new headline copy that I thought they should include on different like program pages, right? And I was saying, you know, why not be, if, if you guys are really trying to be innovative, you're really, like their whole thing was like, we really want Gen Z to go to business school. Like that's, that was like their their core objective. Like we want to rewrite the narrative that, you know, uh, graduate degrees are worthless, are not, you know, you know, not worth uh, your, your time, your money, your investment, whatever it might be. And we want, we want to look cool to Gen Z. We want them to reconsider business school. So I was like, well, hey, you know, what if you, you, you're probably not going to have like a business class on like how to be a creator or how to be a YouTuber, but why not find a way to frame, use language that frames like we will teach you X, which you can use for Y and Y being to build a massive audience on YouTube, right? Or whatever it might be. Like, what are the fundamentals of, of psychology? What are the fundamentals of, of even just how a lot of these algorithms rank content that you need to understand if you want to leverage your content effectively so that you can be a full-time YouTuber or whatever. And, you know, it, it, it was funny. It was like, they want to be progressive. They want to be, they want to be on, on the bleeding edge, right? But at the same time, they're not cool with positioning stuff in a way that makes them sound like they're on on the bleeding edge or, or innovative. And anyways, that might have been you know a, a bad example here, but ultimately what I'm what I'm trying to do is is affirm what you're saying about how how can schools do a much better job at saying you want to be a YouTuber? Great. We want you to be a YouTuber. Come here and let's figure out how to help you do that, right? Because you might be a great content creator, Dan. You may be really good at content, but if you know nothing about how to manage your money, if you know nothing about how to manage a business, right? Like your content's only gonna get you so far, right? So come here, let's help you hone your craft and let's supplement it with things that you might not know intuitively or not, might, might not come naturally to you so that you can go be a YouTuber when you leave here. But no one, but people aren't framing it that way. Like they're, 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 they're still laughing at the idea that you wanna be a creator. Yeah, it's funny. Gosh, you just made me realize that in the future, people are going to be offering scholarships to creators like they offer scholarships to sports stars. Yeah. Oh, right? Like, dude, dang, 100%. that's the future. That's totally because why do they offer scholarships to promising football players? Because of attention, yeah. because the football program is popular and it gets the school attention. Right. Like that's totally why they do it. And it's a profit generating thing. I'm like, if you create your own creator studio, like, ah, dude, yes, that would totally be a that would be a profit generating thing. That brings attention to the school, oh my and gosh, I would that. Brilliant. I mean, doesn't that, that make you like you're like if a if a college had that and you were 17 again and you were kind of in like up and coming, would you 
like I'd fall over myself to be in something like that. A hundred percent. If it was like scholarship too, I'm like, oh, no brainer. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, That's like a YC. Me. Yeah. Like a, like Doesn't a Y even Combinator. Have to be free. Yeah. It could just be like half or something, you know, half scholarship. I'm sure. Of course, some people get full scholarships and some would get less, but dang. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's crazy about that is like, you know, in a world where this happens, right. Um, which I, I think you're hundred percent right. Like the bet, the, like the most innovative institutions are thinking about this or should be thinking about this and leveraging it right now. But what, what you also just get is if people are going to, if you, you're going to house all these creators, people are going to, your content, your campus is going to show up in the background of, of their videos, right? Like when they're, when they're, when they're filming stuff in class, right. Or they're, or they're talking to faculty or they're talking to their friends, even if it has nothing to do with your institution, the backdrops, right? The the B roll, all that stuff that is yep. your institution is gonna is gonna show up in their videos, right? And their videos are gonna get millions of views, and so that's brilliant, Dan. You should you should just go do that. You should go build. That should be a thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's also wicked hard to do, but <laughs> <laughs> right. And but I, I there is probably a model there. Sweetfish was pioneering that in the B two B space. They actually James Carberry, the founder of Sweetfish, my my previous work um is building a creator studio in orlando strategically in orlando because people like to visit there anyway but he's literally building just a whole studio just for creators to show up and make stuff and then mm -hmm. he's going to put in a lazy river that literally goes through the the lobby and then back outside he's putting in a go-kart track why why is yeah. he doing that he's literally selling to businesses which is like notoriously known as boring marketing b2b yeah. boring to boring yeah <laughs> because he knows that people like fun stuff yeah. And he's going to be able to attract a lot of up and coming creators who are who are famous on LinkedIn or famous yeah. on YouTube or famous on Twitter. And guess what? He's not going to have to pay them a lot and twist their arm into coming to Orlando where Disney World is yeah. and come spend some time in his creator studio knowing they're probably seeing footage from that place already. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine giving a talk about how email marketing's working while you're on the lazy river at Sweetfish yeah. Studios. No, nah, yeah. it's going to be sweet because he's creating an environment where creators want to show up and create content. And then it becomes a destination for creators to show up. Yeah. Schools could do the same thing. And students are, schools are actually better equipped for it because they already have a lot of the facilities yeah, in order the real to build estate. something like that. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of money. Like even when I was a marketing director on campus, it was a school fo focused on like international travel a lot. So I'm like, we we had signs on campus that had like the, the signposts going to different countries around the world. But I'm like, we need to take those down and put a big one up, hmm. like a big wooden one with like dozens of the signs and make it like big and colorful and like iconic. Yeah. That way when people come, what are they going to do? They're going to take a photo. Selfie. Yeah. With the sign, <laughs> right? And it's going to be the landmark that people take pictures with. Creating more experiences like that around campus that become the selfie centers mm. that I think that has like an exponential gain because people are going to be posting that all the time. But that's what you could be doing with a creator studio. It just becomes selfie land. <laughs> Dude, I love this is this is brilliant. This is I mean, hey, guys, if you're listening to this, save this podcast, go send this to your CMO, go talk to your president, right? If you're serious about trying to be on the, the cutting edge here. We we need we need to see some creator studios pop up. And if you're doing if you happen to be doing something like this already, like please please let us know. Um, one one of the things you just said, Dan, that I I wanna I wanna touch on again too, because I because I think it's it's um it's really important is, um, you know when it comes to schools thinking about their their spend on like a video right where they're going to hire that freelancer to come. And they're going to pay that freelancer forty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars, whatever it might be, to produce oh a gosh. brand video, right? Like, if you are not running 
those videos by a pan- you should have like a, a, a you know American Idol right they've got judges you, you need to, you need to find like three four five six students who have good followings who are good creators put them on a panel they need to be viewing and vetting and approving everything right that that your institute that your marketing and communications team is putting out at scale right like they there should be if you're gonna if you're gonna spend the time and money hiring one of these video individuals to these video freelancers or these creative studios to come in and, and produce these brand videos and you're not running them by the actual target audience and a target audience that understands what works and what doesn't you're going to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a video and it's going to reach 10 people that's obviously an exaggeration but you know what i mean like i think that there needs to be more examples of students acting as creative you know editors if you will uh, the editorial review board of your marketing and communications uh, teams uh, strategy for for promotion it's an interesting idea i think it's funny because you and i are pretty pretty closely aligned with letting them lead the way when it comes to creative i do think there is a place and i'm saying this really cautiously yeah. because the schools take this to a like a hunt like take it to like level 10 yeah. and i'm saying no but it probably should be a two or a three you do kind of have to moderate what they're going to post because they could post something that could become a PR disaster for you. And that's where it needs to be a collaboration. The problem yeah. is schools are like way so risk averse. Yeah. They don't want to post anything remotely risky. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, yes, you probably should put the parameters, but they need to be way broader than you think. If it feels a little risky, like, well, I like the idea, but I'm not sure if my boss will like it, run that. If you like it, but you're sure you're not sure if your boss will, that's probably an indicator that it's okay. Run that. If you're like, heck no, I know that's going to be a problem. Don't run that. <laughs> really, really good framing, and I, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, um, dude. I I do want to talk as we kind of wrap up our conversation here a little bit about like AI, um, just because I feel like we have to be talking about AI in almost every conversation that we're having these days. Um, and, and how, from your perspective, I know that Element's been pretty like bullish on building oh, product yeah. and, and shipping product around, uh, helping higher ed marketers and, and enrollment managers better leverage AI for, uh, their, for a variety of purposes. I, I was specifically wanted your thoughts on how folks can leverage AI to kind of up their content marketing game and specifically like content marketing. And, and you know, there's a lot of ways to leverage ChatGPT for, you know, Hey, here's my blog post. Can you chop it up into like a couple tweets or a, a, you know, a Twitter thread for me and whatnot. And that's, I'd say like, that's like level one. That's, that's sort of like basic, but like taking it to level two or level three here, what are some things that you're thinking about and, or even experimenting with and think that others should think about with respect to how to leverage, let's just stick with chat GPT for now as, as an example in, yep. in their content marketing efforts. Right now for Content marketing, I'm kind of in, I have it in three different camps as far as how you can go with this. You can go with AI is the assist to all your content marketing. So it can help you come up with titles that you can kind of curate and pick out. You can help it structure a blog post. But in this camp, I would be really hesitant to have AI do everything for you. Yeah. Because the problem with AI is it's great at coming up with stuff, but the stuff that it comes up with will be commodity content almost every time. Yeah. Um, can it, it's not something you can build an audience with. Now, if you already have an audience, there's been some creators that have posted some AI tweets that become some of their most successful tweets, but I'm like, yeah, but they've already done the job of building the audience, building the audience. So like there's a inherent amount of trust and preference they already have for that creator. 
you can't start with a brand new account and do that just with AI alone. Yeah. Especially if it's kind of like around a generic top topic of some kind. Um, and AI is often wrong. So <laughs> like it's, uh, I, but I love it as an assistant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now to kind of contradict that there is a way you can go all in on AI and have a nothing but AI produced channel. And I think it is possible. I haven't seen anybody do this y- yet, but they're probably out there. Yeah. If you have a specific premise for a channel, maybe, maybe you're like the fighting Irish in your school and that's your mascot. Yeah. And therefore you keep coming, you keep using AI to come up with images around fighting Irish, fighting this, fighting that, fighting Irish versus whale, fighting Irish versus Zeus, fighting Irish versus Thanos. Mm, and you take yeah, whatever yeah, is yeah. trending. Yeah. Fighting like what's what's trending? Like Wednesday, like that's popular yeah. series on Netflix. Yeah. Fighting Irish versus Adam's family. Yeah. You know, and then that would be a really fun channel, wouldn't it? If it, the AI was coming up with these like crazy images of your mascot like going and fighting these people over and over again. Yeah. It's like a battle. And then you put go to chat GPT and like, I want you to write a paragraph story about the fighting Irish destroying Thanos. And then it comes up with this like, and like do it in the voice of like some over-exaggerated topic. And then you just post nothing but that to that channel and you call it fighting Irish fights. And that's the channel. (laughs) Bam. That would be fire. Right. But you have to curate it in order to hit on one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think we're going to see channels like this mm. pop up all over the place and they're going to be fantastic. So that's how you can go all in on AI for just content marketing. Let AI do all the work, but you have to engineer like what's trending in culture, what how to curate it. Um that's in order brilliant. To do- that's amazing. I freaking love that idea. Here's the third idea. You do the complete opposite of the first two and use do nothing with AI and you're like loud and proud about it. I yeah. just went this way with my LinkedIn this weekend. Maybe it was two weeks ago. I don't know. I posted, I was like, hey, everything you see from me on LinkedIn, there's going to be zero AI. All my comments, all my posts. Because I, for every swing of the needle or pendulum, right, you're going to have a lot of people using AI. Naturally, there's going to be a reaction. And there's going to be a lot of people that prefer the exact opposite, 100% human transparent thing. So it's not that I'm not going to use AI. I am. But on LinkedIn, I'm all 100% human. And you're going to get nothing but that. My my personal brand already leans that way anyway. So it wasn't a hard choice. I might regret it and change later. <laughs> but right now, I'm already writing everything. I'm already commenting. I'm sh- shooting out lots of Loom personal one-to-one videos. So I'm like, hey, guys, no AI here. You're getting 100% Dan- Danchez when you talk to me on LinkedIn. So that's another route you can take is do the opposite. Yeah, yeah, which which I love. Um and yeah, dude, these are these are fire ideas, man. Uh, all three of these are are super super helpful. And I think uh, to your to your point too, that also works when you, as a kind of like solo creator, right, are are taking a, a particular stance. I think for a school that might be that might be a little bit more difficult when there are multiple people behind the account, right? Yeah. Um, but I but I but I love that, dude. This is a this is wonderful. You're you've got a lot of ideas. Um, I like it. I like it, man. Um, and when you're making content, you got to be able to come up with ideas fast, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and actually, you know, that, that's a good point too. maybe to close on. I think like some of the, some of the stuff I'm seeing out there where you've got all these folks who are saying like, I don't know if you listen to like the all in podcast or anything like that, but um, they were talking about, it's like one of the most popular podcasts um, in the world right now. 
And one of the things that they were talking about was like how there's, you know, some game designers and there's other people coming out that are basically being like, hey, like the, the sad thing about AI is that it's like stealing like my art, right? Like it's, it's like I, I, the joy that I get from creating something is like gone now, right? And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even actually saying that the AI is somehow like plagiarizing my stuff. It was like, no, the joy I used to get from my craft, I no longer get, right? And and so I, I do think right that there's there's something there, especially for for creators and, and and whatnot. Is hey, when it comes to my LinkedIn posts, right? I enjoy I enjoy writing them. Like they're fun. Like I enjoy yep. thinking through how to write a good post. It's, it's it's like a hobby, right? And and so I do think those those folks that do take those those hard stances, you know, in, in theory, it's it's one just a great way to get attention. But two, it's also just a good reminder that at the, at the end of the day, if this started as a creative outlet, unless you're replacing it with like another creative outlet, you're going to, you're going to need that creative outlet. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so be, be careful how quickly you just jump into all this stuff as a solution to your daily LinkedIn posts. Maybe, maybe you don't need a solution to your daily LinkedIn posts. Maybe you just need other solutions so you can spend more time on your daily LinkedIn posts. Yeah. It's a tough thing. And I've seen a lot of creators it's like all they post about now is whining about chat GPT right now. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I think the thing is if you're, if you've been putting in the creative work to become a good writer, to become a good artist, I think that skill is still remarkably helpful because you have discernment. You have way more discernment than someone who hasn't been doing it. And so, you know, you know how to prompt the chat GPT in order to get what you need out of it. I would, as a creator, if I wanted to start using it to write my LinkedIn posts, I would know if it was, if what it was giving me was good, kind of like if you know math, right? Like that's why you, they teach us math and why you can't just start with the calculator. You need to understand if it's giving you the right answer. You need to have an intuitive feel to know if the calculator is wrong instead of being like, well, that's what the calculator says, said every, you know, third and fourth grader ever. The teacher's like, yeah, sweetheart, you need to learn how to do it so that you know if the calculator is right or wrong. <laughs> it's that same thing with the creative endeavors. That's kind of where it's going. Well, Dan, this has been um, this has been awesome, man. Really appreciate you. Re really appreciate your time. For those who want to follow Dan, I will have his LinkedIn profile linked below. Also, have links to uh, Element's website if you want to learn a little bit more about Element 451 and their offerings. Um, as I mentioned at the uh, start of this conversation, Dan is Element's new director of inbound marketing. So, if you've got any questions about Element, feel free to reach out to Dan directly. Otherwise, just go ahead and follow him on LinkedIn. He's always posting good stuff. You'll get some cool ideas. If this conversation is uh, indicative of, of anything else going on in Dan's mind, I can assure you that there's lots more to learn from him. So definitely, definitely a good follow. Dan, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. 
We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.